Tonight's episode is brought to you by that guy that shows up to the party that nobody really likes and nobody invited and everyone just awkwardly tries to be nice to, but he kind of just ruins it for everyone. Survivalfeeling.com and you, our listeners. Yeah, bro, no, like they do that every year. They dress up in animal costumes, they dance around in a circle and they scream and do some stuff up there. What is up, all of you creepy, wayward souls, and welcome back to the Wayward Stories podcast. I am glad to have you guys back here for our fifth and final installment in our five-part spooky season series where we have explored the intersection of the great unknown and the great outdoors. Um, so far, we've gone over several things in the last four episodes that are mystical, mythical, magical, all the M's, all the interesting things in the world. This week, we're going to divert from that path just a little bit, but these are even more terrifying to me personally because these are true stories of creepy things that have happened to some of our brothers and sisters out there chasing chasing their outdoor adventures. They are all purportedly true stories about real events that happen to real people and involve interactions with, for the most part, other real people, which is what makes them particularly terrifying. And it dawned on me as I was, I was putting this episode together, Okay, I was looking into it, I was I was playing with ideas as I was building my big outline for how I wanted the spooky season to play out here at Wayward Stories. When I really got into digging up the stories um, for this particular podcast, this episode, this is going to be our grand finale. It might be a little bit of a long one. But as I was digging into these stories, the idea was more from a fun point of view. Like, we're just having some fun, tongue-in-cheek, just enjoying ourselves, exploring, and allowing ourselves to entertain some of the the more, you know, out there stuff. Stuff that's a little bit less based in our reality. But when I got to these stories, it's like, no, these are very real stories, and some of them are absolutely terrifying. It made me think of several stories that I am personally aware of or have personally happened to me out there in the great outdoors that are really terrifying stories, and it kind of dawned on me, you know what, this is actually, it's meant to be all in good fun, but this is a little bit of a heavy episode. There are some things in here, you know, let's do it this way, let's do a listener discretion warning right here. We're not going to talk about anything gory or horrid or anything like that in any kind of detail, but we are going to tell some stories of some encounters that are about pretty heavy matters, or could have been about pretty heavy matters. So if you're triggered by anything like that could be in the realm of, I don't know, being stalked or being quote unquote hunted in the woods to some degree, um, you know, you might want to skip this episode and you won't hurt my feelings if you do. Like for the most part, I'm going to keep it high level. We're not going to go into any details, but when you really think about what is implied in some of these stories and what could have occurred, like it gets into some pretty heavy stuff. And on that note, I want to point out, I I have battled within myself for the last week to two weeks about whether there's one story that happened to me specifically that falls right into this vein of thinking that I've battled with myself if I want to tell it. I've only ever told it in detail to two people on this entire planet. Um, I've only told it 
at a high level overview to overview to maybe four people total. Um, but I have decided I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to save it for the very end of the episode because it is going to delve into a much heavier area, a much heavier topic. And I have something I want to discuss at the end of the episode about a, um, kind of a, I don't want to call it a movement, but kind of a trend that I've seen happening in recent months on the old socials, specifically mostly on Instagram that I want to address. And it is a heavy topic and I'm saving it for the very end. So if you want to listen in and and get some warnings and some statistics and some numbers about our safety out there in the great outdoors, we're going to leave it at that for now. Um, Hang around till the very, very end. I battled whether I should put it at the very beginning because I believe it's a message that needs to be heard. But I thought, man, that is not the way to start out this episode. So we're going to put it at the end. That way, when we get to the end, I can warn you, hey, I just settled all my lawsuits. It's about to get heavy, right? In the words of the great Marshall Mathers. Um, And you can hit the eject button then if you want to and not listen in. So I'm saving that for the very end, but I want to let you know right up front that that is there. And I would like and hope that most of you will stick around to hear um, that little discourse that I've got lined up. But I wanted to start the show off with, you know, just the fun stories that we're going to talk about. So let's get on to the show tonight. Let's get right into it. And guys, we've got, I have put together a great deal of stories and we're going to start reading through them and see how they go. A lot of these are on online from online forums. Some of them are anonymously posted. Some of them have very interesting and fun usernames from whatever platform it is that they were posted in the open forum. And we're going to tell some of these because these are some great stories and they brought up some memories for me of some things that I have lived through in my life as well. And this may very well, as I already mentioned, this may turn into a very long episode, which I'll be okay with. Personally, I like long form. I've mentioned that before. That's my preferred version of podcast is a long form podcast. And also it's our big spooky season finale, y'all. It's the weekend. Like this is dropping on Friday, the weekend as Halloween is going down. If you guys are into creepy stuff and that's what you're here for, this is your weekend, baby. So let's have some fun. Let's get creepy. I've got some cool ambiance going on in the studio, man. Like I got some LED lighted candles in here. Got some creepy things on them. It's not really creepy. It's more just fun to look at, but it's all about the ambience, right? The ambiance. So anyway, get in the mood, turn down the lights, sit back in your chair, get a glass of wine, a little bit of scotch. I don't know, Dr. Pepper, whatever you're poison is and let's get into some stories our very first story this one is this one's a little bit interesting this one's kind of on the creepy side but it's also more on just like the head scratcher side um and it speaks to things that i've heard other people tell stories of um but anyway let's just tell the story anyway from redditor user goat of mendez i told you some of these names were awesome A couple of years ago, my brother bought a large piece of land out in the middle of nowhere and about 30 miles or so from cell phone reception. It's quiet. There is no light pollution, no paved roads, and not a lot of people around. Shortly after he bought the place, our family spent a weekend camping on the land and doing our best to clean it up. On the second night that we camped there, I woke up in the middle of the night to take a leak. As I was walking into the bushes in the dark, I realized that I could very faintly hear music. 
This didn't strike me as odd because I knew my brother had a radio in his camper. Well, I finished up and went back to sleep with no further thought on the matter. But then the next morning at breakfast, I mentioned the radio and the music, and several other people recalled waking up that night and hearing music as well, but no two people heard the same style of music. Finally, the brother who bought the ra- who brought the radio with him woke up, and I asked him about the music, and he seemed a little bit freaked out. He woke up sometime during the night, and he had went outside to smoke. He heard music as well, and had assumed that it was someone else. Now I should mention that he was the only one with a generator and a radio, and it wasn't his radio that we heard. It wasn't anyone else's either. And I've been back several times, but I'm still a bit freaked out by that place at night. I have fun while I'm there, but I'm almost always armed, and I don't sleep in a tent anymore. I sleep in my SUV with the doors locked. It may seem kind of dumb, but realizing that everyone had heard different music when there were no other people, no functional radios, and no electricity is quite creepy. And I agree with that. That is quite creepy. I've heard other stories. Now, this this goes out of like the great outdoors into just straight up into the great unknown. But I have heard other stories on different podcasts, um, different. I've read some in books that are similar to this. But people hearing or seeing something completely out of place or completely out of time. It's from the wrong time frame. The music in a lot of cases. I've heard stories like this where people were hearing music play that was from a different time frame. It wasn't current. It was older style music coming from essentially nowhere that could be pinpointed. No one could actually come up with the location or the source of the music. And this follows in line with some of those stories. It's just set in a really interesting location because the fact that its setting is the middle of nowhere with no electricity and only one camper with one generator and one radio on site that could work and it not being that radio and everyone hearing different styles of music, it really fits into that that kind of category of unexplainable things. And that is a little bit terrifying. Like, I mean, obviously it wasn't malicious. Nobody was hurt. Nothing came in the night to take anyone's souls. What would you do if you woke up in the middle of the night hanging in your hammock, say, way down one of your overnight hike trails or something far, far away from anywhere, anywhere there should be any music or cars that could be playing music. And you just faintly in the distance, wafting on the wind, heard some kind of an old timey radio and an old timey broadcast. Like, I don't know. I love those kinds of stories. It's just a fascinating idea. So let's get on to our next story. This one gets a little bit more creepy because this one gets a little bit more into the realm of reality. This is from Redditor user Stealth Ghost. We're doing a group trip in the woods, literally 40 minutes from the closest town. We asked our group leader if we could go back to our cabin as night rolled around. He says, sure, and we begin to walk. We've walked through a path that's about 10 minutes long in the middle of a thick forest. When we were halfway to our cabin, I got an uneasy feeling. I turned around and literally 10 feet behind us was this random guy in a yellow poncho following us. I told my friends, we all turned around, but none of us recognized him. The guy in the poncho just smiled at us for a second, and then he ran off of the path into the woods. So, my friends and I sprinted to the cabin where the rest of the group was already. We told the group leader there about it, and he calls all the other leaders, and they start looking around. 
Nobody ever found anything, but a new rule was put in place that required someone to be with a leader at all times when you were outside of your cabin. Again, terrifying, but in a very, very real way. And that's one of those, that's one of the stories that I mentioned that it's, it's a fun story to tell. It's creepy. Nobody was hurt in the end. It's a creepy, creepy, fun story, but the implications of it are absolutely terrifying and very, very heavy. Um, it's really important, guys, to keep your head on a swivel, to be aware of your surroundings when you're out there in the woods, because things like this happen on a re- relatively regular basis. Things you need to be aware of, things you need to keep in mind. Um, and here's another one that's kind of in a similar vein, but this one, oh God, I'm just going to tell you this one. This one's just, this one's weird, but okay. Anyway, from Reddit or user, that bloke with the hat, we're going to assume assume he's British, um, or from somewhere over there in Europe. Lying in bed, my friend and I woke up basically at the same time when we heard some footsteps outside of our tent. The next morning, we found a perfectly clean kitchen knife on the ground. That's it. That's the whole story from this Redditor user. Lying in your tent, you wake up at the same time and you hear footsteps outside. They disappear You don't leave the tent because you're terrified. You don't check. These might have been younger guys. I can see situations at certain points in my life where I wouldn't have poked my head outside. But the next morning they wake up and the only thing they find is a perfectly clean kitchen knife lying on the ground next to their tent. Short, but terrifying. Okay, this story, this story is creepy, but this is creepy in a fun way. From Redditor user Brother Batman. What old Brother Batman? My dad and I were out camping in the mountains. We had set up our tents, but then we heard screams from the woods. We packed up our stuff and drove to a different place. We thought it was mountain folks eating people or something. So we drove down to the store and told the clerk that we had heard screams. It turns out it was an orgy of people who dress up in animal costumes. He was telling us that they've been doing this for years. I actually had to look this up. I Googled this. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, I'm not going to get into the details, but you can look it up for yourself. If you Google large group of people dressed up in animal costumes performing ritual, you will find the details on this. And it's, um, let's say fascinating. Let's just say it's fascinating and leave it at that. But can you imagine hearing people screaming in the middle of the night, like wailing and screaming. And you go and you check around and some dude's like, yeah, bro. No, like they do that every year. They dress up in animal costumes. They dance around in a circle and they scream and do some stuff up there. Creepy, creepy. I mean, like it is creepy, but it's also really funny. Um, this one is a very unsettling story. Next one is very unsettling. I was on a camping trip in Colorado and shared a tent with two friends. It was a small tent, so we were sleeping like sardines, and I was not in the middle. In the morning, though, I woke up and felt warm bodies on both sides of me. I thought maybe somehow I had rolled over into the middle, but when I opened my eyes, the tent wall was still on my side, meaning there was something outside sleeping against my side of the tent. I was somewhat petrified, but leaned over to wake up my friends, and whatever it was took off. I believe it was definitely some kind of an animal, but to this day it still mystifies me that a wild animal, even a young deer, 
would bed down next to humans. He makes a really good point. It is not common for any kind of an animal to bed down next to a human. Like, even with the tent wall between them, the, the olfactory nerds, the senses of animals, the, the sense of smell that animals possess, they can smell you from a mile away, tent wall or not. It's kind of mind-boggling. That makes no sense whatsoever. But it is terrifying. Because imagine waking up in a tent, and there's a warm body laying against you, and you come to realize that, okay, this is either A, a human, which is super terrifying, outside the tent, don't know who it is, or what they want, or what they're doing here, or B, it's an animal. Depending on where you're camping, here's, we're in Colorado, you know, like, I don't know the likelihood, well, the likelihood of any animal is like nearly zero. I mean, maybe cold-blooded animals like snakes, like they might like to crawl up in your sleeping bag. I don't like to sleep on the ground personally, in the woods, in the wide open. I prefer some kind of barrier. But like, something that's like a large mammal, what in the hell would be able to smell you as a human and lay down against you? That doesn't make any sense. So your first thought would have to be, okay, well, I'm in Colorado, so it could be a mountain lion. Um, it could be a bobcat. It could be something that could really freaking hurt me. You know what I mean? That's terrifying. It's very unsettling. It's very unsettling. I have never awakened to anything quite like that. No, I have awakened to, you know, like spiders crawling on my face and stuff. Fortunately, I'm not phobic of spiders. If I woke to a snake on my face, I would not be here today to tell you these stories. Anyway, let's move on. This one is titled, An Odd Man in the Woods. This is, a, this is a good one. I like this one because this comes from a park ranger. I was a park ranger on a small island, the only year-round resident. Private boat access only, with no bridges or ferries. It became crowded in the summer, but we would empty out completely when the weather turned. I loved the off-season, with 400 acres all to myself, no phone, no internet. Sometimes, though, I would get bored. I'd go out at night with a flashlight and challenge myself to hike the entire island in the dark. There was moonlight to navigate by, but there was also a stretch of the main trail that passed through the oldest trees on the island where I would be plunged into total darkness. I was in the forest one night when I heard something behind me. I turned and there was nothing there. And when I turned back, something brushed my face. My stomach dropped and I swung my fist into something. I ran full tilt for a hundred yards, stopping in my big stupid boots with my gun belt bouncing up and down and my vest riding up to my throat. I stopped and bent over with a stitch in my side and started laughing. I held my hand in front of my eyes, ran my fingers over the prickled cut from the branch that I had punched. Through the spread fingers on my injured hand, I saw a smear of bright white off trail just ahead. I figured it was one of the small herd of white rumped deer the locals wrongly referred to as palominos, but it moved up a side trail before I could get a better look. I got my breath under control and I followed. A hundred feet up the trail, it split again and I could hear something moving through the underbrush just past the fork and to the right. I crouched as I made my way to the fork and stayed low trying to keep quiet and unseen. The trail gains elevation as it nears the center of the island where the trees spread out and the moon lights things up. I heard a sharp bark and I froze. And then I crept forward a few feet. I reached the fork and was straining to see ahead when I heard the crunch and crack of something in the brush behind me. I spun around and saw a pale man, six feet or taller, with dark hair, wearing a bright white t-shirt about 30 feet from me. He gave me a lunatic grin. He barked again, a hard, sharp, ha, 
and then he turned and ran into the woods. I stood still, scanning the trees, my hand on my gun. After not hearing anything for a few moments, I backtracked my way to the main trail and then, terrified, speed walked all the way back to my cabin. I hiked the exterior again that night with a flashlight, this time, and checked the coast for evidence of a visitor, a boater, a wayward traveler. Nothing. I got up early in the morning in the light of day and I did the same thing with the same results. I don't know who or what it could have been. The way he was running around off trail convinced me that he knew the island very well better than me for sure, and that he was hiding out somewhere, but I never did find him, I never did find any evidence of him, or a secret lair, I never saw him again. Y'all let that sink in. You know for a fact you're the only person on an island. You're a park ranger, like you are the guy that is the authority there. You know who's there and who's not there. You know what time of year it is. You know all points of access and egress. You know that damn place. And suddenly, you're there when there should be no other human on that island. In the middle of the night, you're confronted with another human. Well, possibly another human. Who knows? To be honest, who knows? If this guy couldn't find him and he could not find the guy's boat, his vehicle, how he got to the island, that's terrifying. What if this dude was living on the island like in some hidden cave somewhere that he had found? That is terrifying. The whole point of that story that I think for all of us that we should take into account, you would be amazed. And this is not the only story I've ever heard like this. You would be amazed where people will find themselves, where they will make themselves a home, where they will hide, where they will stay. And you would be just mind blown that someone has been living somewhere, hiding out somewhere for sometimes years. It's a really, really terrifying thought. Like the idea being that we're not always alone out there when we think we're alone out there. Humans are the highest predator on the chain of predators in the world. And because we have the capability that a lot of predators do not, of logic and reason, that makes us all the more terrifying than any animal. And that right there, I don't know, guys, I would have lost my crap. Like, I probably would have packed it up and left the island right then and there. Unless my cabin was really well fortified and I was really well armed, like, I probably would have just beat feet and probably went into town, like, left the island, went back to civilization and brought out the freaking guard, man. Let's find out who this dude is, where he is, and why he's here. So, let's move on to our next story for the night. We're moving along pretty good. I know these are really, we're really kind of banging them out in order, but I'm not really sure how to transition and segue between each one and make it have better flow. I don't know. So, we're just reading stories. So, hang with me. This one comes from a family. My family is very outdoorsy, and every year we go to what we call, quote-unquote, hunting camp. This involves my brother, my dad, myself, and our close family friends, usually about 15 guys. I am well acquainted, personally, with these kinds of hunting camps. They are very, very prevalent here in the South and South Central United States. Hunting camp's a lot of fun. I was never much of a hunter. I never wanted to hunt. I never really wanted to kill anything. But I certainly dressed up and loved to shoot bows and target shoot and things like that. And hunting camp was a lot of fun. It's a great way to really get in touch with nature. So I'm, I'm well aware with the kind of, uh, kind of camp that this guy is talking about. We've been going to the same woods that my father and his dad went to over 30 years ago and even camp in the same spot in Michigan. This is a spot tucked deep into the woods and is by no means a sanctioned campground. 
This area we camp by almost borders right up against native land give, given and allocated to the tribes by the state. Now, I've read enough of these stories, and I'm generally a pretty skeptical guy, especially of the more far-fetched ones. But those who know the area can verify this, or you can Google it. For our camp, we set up a huge old canvas army tent that sleeps about 15 guys in cots. My brother and I stopped sleeping in that tent and would set up our own individual tents because amongst the other guys, there's one that's in an unbelievably loud sleeper. Seriously, you wouldn't even believe me if I could mimic it for you. This particular night happened four to five years ago, and it's the reason I've rejoined the group in the larger tent. Totally worth listening to the snoring to not experience this again. So generally, our days go as follows. Hunt in the morning, come back for lunch, go back out in the afternoon for a hunt, and then at night eat dinner and get super wasted. <laughs> that's a pretty typical deer camp. Yeah, that's they're, they're right on course. We're up pretty late doing this, and when people get too drunk or tired, they peel off from the group and they go to sleep. On this night, probably about 1 a.m., there's a few of us left by the fire, and we finally decide to call it quits for the night. I am a notoriously light sleeper, and it's difficult for me to even fall asleep. And as I laid there, trying my best to drift off and ignore the unexplainable noises you hear in the woods late at night, I heard one that simply could not be ignored, and my heart began to race. Off in the distance in the woods, a crunching noise grew louder and louder. It sounded just like footsteps, a crunch, crunch, crunch sound as it stepped on the fall leaves and the twigs. Now, I'm not inexperienced when it comes to the noises of the woods. I've done enough hunting and camping to know the sounds of small critters running around or leaves and sticks falling. This was clearly the noise of footsteps walking through the woods, and on this night, there was no wind, just this crunching noise that sounded like it was coming right towards me. It got much louder and clearer until it sounded like it was right outside of my tent. It just stopped, and I could hear nothing else. At this point, I was panicked, and I had a few options. I could scream for help at the risk of it being nothing and looking like a huge weenie once everyone woke up. I could lay there and try to ignore it and sleep, or I could go out there and see for myself. I chose option three. I quickly jumped out of my bag and scrambled to get out of the tent, ready to take on whatever might be waiting for me. But by this time, I was out there, and there was nothing. I just stood there in the dark, outside my tent, with my flashlight, looking around the forest, trying to spot anything that could have been the cause of the noise, but couldn't find a single thing. Unhappily, I was forced to go back in and try to sleep, not knowing what was out there. Now, the really creepy part was the next morning. My dad asked a buddy, Jim, what he was doing by the fire last night by himself. Jim said that he was never out there, and he was in the tent the whole night. My dad explained that he got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Lots of drinking will do that to you. And Jim was just sitting by the fire alone. When he asked him what he was doing, he just continued to stare into the fire and said nothing. My dad didn't think too much of it and just went back to sleep. But that's when I told them what had happened to me. But there wasn't really anything that any of us could do to explain any of it. That's an interesting story. That's a very interesting story and kind of a scary story. I want to say this. You can, especially if you're an experienced woodsman or woods person. If you spend a lot of time out there, you do know. You know what a deer sounds like walking through the woods. It's not like a human. Humans walk very steadily, very systematically. A consistent thump, thump, thump. Deer walk far more erratically. They're usually foraging and grazing as they go. A step or two and then they'll 
chew on something and it may be another step or two. Squirrels skitter. They come and they go and they run fast. They Humans are far more systematic in their walking motion. So that alone, to me, that's probably the creepiest part because I could explain a lot of the rest of this. I mean, Jim could have got up in the middle of the night, wandered out to go to the bathroom, still in a drunken haze, decided to sit by the fire. Perhaps he was cold and kind of half zoned out, half passed out and never even heard this guy's dad asking him what he was doing by the fire. What it doesn't explain is why this guy didn't see him at the fire at the time that he heard the footsteps. Anyway, it's a scary, scary idea to be walked up on. I mean, for me, when I camp, I'm pretty much over those kinds of thoughts. But if you ever do get a little spooked, for me, the one thing that kind of spooks me is when I'm out there way back and I'm by myself, it does cross my mind occasionally. Like, what if someone is out here with me? If someone walked up right now, that would be terrifying because from whence did they come? What do they want? And I'm kind of at a disadvantage here because I can't see them coming to me. When you're by the fire, you can't see outside that ring of light. But anything outside that ring of light can see very well everything that's going on within the inner dimension of the camp where the fire is. You're definitely at a disadvantage. And that's a scary story. So let's tell one more quick story here before we take our break. I believe we're pushing on 30 minutes now, if I'm not mistaken. So let's let's get this in and then we'll take our break and then we'll come back and finish up with all the rest of our stories for the night, including the one I want to talk to you about um, at the end of tonight's show. Anyway, this story, this story is so creepy. This is like back into head scratcher territory. What if, what the hell, like that's what this story is. Okay. A few years ago, I was backpacking in eastern Washington with some friends of mine. I don't know how well you guys know eastern Washington, but it's pretty much dust, sagebrush, and dirt. We decided to hike up onto the top of this canyon, and from up there, you could see miles and miles of just nothing around you. After a few hours of traversing the top of the cliff, we eventually found a little crevasse that kind of took us underground into a pretty decent-sized cave. The cave was filled with little bones, like mice and bats. In one of the corners of the cave, there was a rock fixture that jutted up from the ground and almost made a separate room. In that little quote-unquote room, we found a lot of scratches on the walls, photographs, and three bottles with notes in them. While this was kind of off-putting on its own, we figured it was just some sort of a joke and we'd find silly SOS notes in the bottles. The scary part about all of this is that the photographs were super ordinary, of different families and different normal people, and two of the notes in the bottles made no sense at all. While it was English, it was pretty much just straight gibberish. None of the words made sense in the context of the other words. The third bottle had a super ordinary letter talking about what they've been up to, like something that you would send to a fairly distant relative after not talking to them for a while. I don't really know what to think of all that, I feel like it could have just as easily been someone joking around, but it was almost too strange to be just that. I agree. That seems a little bit too strange, way too off the wall to just be someone trying to play a joke. Usually if you're trying to play a joke, you would put together something like SOS messages. You would you would have a bit of a narrative in your mind that you would be wanting people to basically uncover to stumble upon something like that. The fact that this was just random photos of random people and random families in a cave 
in the middle of nowhere, not on any super established hiking trail where you know somebody's going to come in the kind of cave that you're not going to find it unless you are trekking off trail and happen upon it like somewhere where somebody would hide. That just boggles my mind and it is kind of terrifying. It's not terrifying so much as it's just creepy because your mind reels at the possibilities of who and what they were doing was going on in that cave in gibberish written into these notes. I don't know. Maybe I could see where this maybe matches up with some kind of psychological profile of somebody that's suffering from some kind of a mental illness, but in the middle of nowhere in a cave, that's just, it's just totally, totally nonsensical. And it's so creepy because of the nonsensicalness of it. Is that even a word Did I just make up a word? I don't know. Anyway, let me tell another one real quick. I said that we were going to go on to break, but this one's short and it's very much in the same vein. So we'll stay with this for just a second. A few summers ago, I was canoeing in the Boundary Waters with some friends. Quick aside, y'all, Boundary Waters should be on your bucket list. It is on mine. I want to explore the Boundary Waters. They are absolutely gorgeous from what I've seen. The stories about them are amazing. I really, really, really want to go to the Boundary Waters. Anyway. A few summers ago, I was canoeing in the Boundary Waters with some friends. A few days into our trip, at least two days of paddling from the nearest entry point, we found the creepiest campsite on an island. There was brand new, abandoned camping equipment everywhere, like sleeping bags and camping pads. Throughout the campsite, sticks with the ends charred had been stuck into the ground. In the remains of the fire was a heavily charred toothbrush, along with the remains of a wallet, glasses, papers, and some clothes. The creepiest part was near the edge where a single petrified moose antler had been wedged between some boulders and surrounded by charred sticks in a circle. We got the hell out of there and as far as we could go before the night was over. One of the creepiest things I've ever seen. It looked like it was straight out of a horror movie. That is pretty terrifying. The part about that that's weird to me is just a shedded a shed moose antler surrounded by charred sticks all around it. That part's weird. That like takes it into weird territory because the rest of it, I'll be honest with you guys, the rest of it sounds like somebody who could be on the run from the law or somebody trying to find them. I mean, it sounds like they tried to dispose of their identification, their wallet, their clothes, um, basically everything. And maybe someone got too close and that would explain why everything was abandoned, left all of the new camping gear because they had to bolt. Um, but the, the charred sticks around the, the moose antler, that makes it kind of weird. Um, but also as I think about it, the remains of a charred wallet, the remains of charred clothes and all of the camping gear abandoned. God, that took a really dark turn. I didn't even read it that way, but that, mm, that's kind of, that makes it even creepier. Y'all, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that go missing without a trace in this country alone every single year with no leads, no idea of where, how, when, or why. That's really creepy. Wow. Yeah, that took a dark turn. I was thinking of it in far more of like the just unexplained, really kind of weird and nonsensical creepy, but damn, the details on that one, they kind of they kind of paint a little bit different picture, don't they? Anyway, anyway, we've definitely run on to longer than our half hour, so we need to take a break. So let's hear a word from our sponsor and we will be right back. 
I want to take a second to tell you guys about tonight's sponsor, Survival Feeling. Survival Feeling is a hiking brand based in Greece, and they offer an assortment of gear that's aimed towards the goal of helping you better enjoy your time outside. And that is, of course, what we are all about here at Wayward Stories. I really like this company for a lot of reasons, but chief amongst them is that they were founded with giving back to the community in mind. They donate a portion of all proceeds to organizations like the Wildland Firefighters Foundation to help support those who work to keep us all safe while we're out there trying to find ourselves. We've partnered with them to bring you guys a unique coupon code that will save you wayward souls 15% off of your order. Go to survivalfeeling.com and use offer code waywardstories at checkout. Once again, that's survivalfeeling.com and use the offer code waywardstories. And welcome back. Appreciate you guys being patient and setting through those sponsor breaks. They're very important to the continued production of the show. But enough of that. Let's get back to our stories. This story comes from a deleted user from reddit.com. While backpacking the Appalachian Trail or Appalachian, y'all just keep your emails to yourself, okay? Like, I like getting emails from you guys, but I ain't trying to get all these emails from you guys about how to actually pronounce something. Like, just, okay, understand this. I have friends that live in the Appalachians, and they say it's pronounced Appalachian. And then I also have friends that live in other parts of the Appalachians, and they say it's pronounced Appalachian. So, it's colloquial. It's specific to certain areas, and even within certain areas, people pronounce it differently. So, if you're a local, understand that your pronunciation is not necessarily the right pronunciation, and I don't need an email about that. Email me about something else, okay? Cool. That in hand, let's move on. While backpacking the Appalachian Trail in northern Pennsylvania, a friend and I just finished hiking up a very large hill and we were ready for lunch. We had planned on eating at a shelter that was another two miles down and up another hill. After some discussion, we decided to eat at the shelter as there would be water. Well, as we arrive at the shelter, we come across who we initially think is another hiker. But no, this guy was just carrying an old school backpack and was digging for crumbs out of the bottom of a Fritos bag, so he seemed kind of out of place. We asked him if he was backpacking or day hiking. Never making eye contact, he mutters out, backpacking. We then asked if he was section hiking or through hiking, as in doing the entire trail. He looked at us with this weird look and says, um, I'm just hiking through. After a little bit of talking and avoiding all of our questions, he just quickly said, I gotta go. And as he packed his bag, we asked him what his trail name was so that we could look out for him on the logbooks. He clearly had no idea what we were talking about. And this struck us as odd because anyone who hikes the AT knows what a trail name is and usually has one they go by. After sort of explaining what we meant, he said, oh, right, um, it's Hatchet, which was obviously a load of crap. Well, we continued hiking and we reached our camping spot. We got settled up for the night when I was awoken by Hatchet rustling through my backpack. Now, my friend and I both use hammocks and I had my backpack wrapped around the tree my hammock was hanging on. So he ended up shaking my entire hammock. I screamed, hey, and he looked in my hammock, stared right at me for a solid second, and then he bolted. By the time I got out of the hammock, he was nowhere to be seen. Turned out he had stolen a pack of tuna from my bag and a couple of granola bars from my buddies. Never saw him again. The weird part was we got back into town and ate lunch at this diner, and it turns out Ohatchet was on the run. There was a wanted poster hanging up on the door. Turns out two weeks prior, he had mugged a couple of people, leaving one guy pretty bloody. The whole thing was pretty freaky. We gave our statement to the police, but we never heard if they caught him or not. 
Y'all, that's, that's a scary one. Those kinds of things happen. I'm going to tell you two personal stories that I personally know to be true and where to go and find the information if you want to vet that information. Um, a little bit later when we touch on two more stories that are kind of similar to this. But y'all, that's real stuff. That's terrifying stuff out there in the woods. Again, you never know who you're going to run up on. You never know who's going to run up on you. And it is imperative that you be prepared as best you can to deal with situations like that. That's what's truly terrifying in the woods. To me, puck wedgies and little people and Bigfoots and everything else, they're fascinating, kind of scary, but this is real scary. This is like imminent life-threatening scary in some situations. So let's keep moving. This one goes back into creepy realm. This is from Redditor NC slash DE336. That is a clever username. That's an anonymous Reddit username. That's why Reddit's so awesome because it is truly anonymous. Anyway, a new suitcase full of clothes and a shelter, but no people. My family owns a couple of hundred acres of forest in eastern North Carolina. No one lives on the property anymore and hasn't for the last several years. We went down there to do some target shooting in October of 2017, and I decided to go through a walk of the outskirts of the woods to locate a good limb for our range marker. As I'm walking, literally and proverbially, kicking rocks, I come across a fairly nice but practically brand new looking suitcase, full of clothes and other personal effects. No ID, nothing with any sort of identifying markers on them. It seemed to be clothes for four people, two kids and two adults, one male, one female. Had some food, coloring books, etc. And there was a makeshift lean-to about a hundred yards further into the woods. I set up a trail camera and left it there for three weeks. I never saw anyone. That, that is really unsettling. That is like quasi-disturbing to think about. A suitcase, a new suitcase, full of clothes for four people, two adults, two children, and a, like, a handmade constructed lean-to a hundred yards away in the woods with no sign of anyone. That's, that's, I don't know what to do with that, but I do not like it. I do not like that one bit. Anyway, moving on from Redditor user, little tiny thing. I wanted to go for a short five mile hike with my non-confrontational and overly friendly Husky to a local SoCal spot. Rather than take the normal trail, I thought I would try the trail that leaves the park. As I near the end of the park trail, there was a man up ahead sitting down, drinking a beer, in jeans, and not in hiking shoes or any kind of hiking attire. Red flag for me, as it should have been, little tiny thing. He sees me coming, stands up, and starts walking towards me, and I turn around immediately. My husky, however, wants pets and to say hi. No one else is around because nobody takes this trail and he tries asking me where I'm going, where I'm from, and some other weird questions to get me to stay. I was hiking on a weekday, so the trail was pretty empty. I was scared. I started up the mountain and he was following me up. And it's a pretty gnarly hike in jeans and just regular shoes. So I found a spot where the trail split. One path continued up the mountain and one went back down with brush in the middle. So I jumped far into the brush to hide while he chose a path and kept up the mountain thinking I kept ascending. As soon as he was out of sight, I descended the way I came and hightailed it out of there. I had a knife and pepper spray, but I never want to come to a point to have to use it. My husky is useless as far as protection, 
and my but my lab mix would have gone ballistic. I don't hike without my boyfriend now because my lab is 14 years old and can't quite make the hikes. Yeah, ladies, women, understand pepper spray is important. That's what we're going to talk about at the end of this show. Um, we're going to talk about that. So if you want to hear some information about it, stay tuned for the very end. Um, but let's move on. But that's terrifying, guys. Again, these are the real life encounters that people have with other humans. Literally, the most terrifying predator that the world knows is a human being. Um, so let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. This is from my favorite Redditor user of the night, Senor Puffy Pants. I work in the outdoor field and lead trips regularly. I once led a trip to the top of Mount Stringer in North Carolina. It's a tough climb to get to the top, about six miles from the nearest road. I was leading a group of eight middle school kids and I had one co-instructor. We were camping out on top of the mountain and it was a beautiful night with a full moon. The kids and the other co-instructor had gone to bed in their tents. I chose to spend the night in a hammock. I was really into a book I was reading, and so I stayed up and read until about 10.30. I turned my headlamp off to settle in for the night. Everything around me was rather bright from the moon, and from the position I was in, I could see down the trail we had hiked to get to the top. I laid there enjoying the scenery and noticed something moving on the trail. Bears are common in the area, so I perked up. As it got closer, I could tell it was a person. We were in the middle of nowhere, and there was someone hiking up the trail with no headlamp or any gear. I was just frozen, watching this person move closer to our camp. The person arrived at the top of the mountain where we were, and he just stopped. I watched as what appeared to be a man surveyed our camp. I really could only see the outline of them. He stood there for what seemed like about 30 minutes, but it may have only been 10. He then turned and sat down under a tree facing our camp. He was setting up in a way that I knew he wasn't trying to sleep. He just sat there staring at our camp. I had no idea what to do, so I decided to wait it out. I just waited, just staring at the man while he stared at my camp. This went on until about 3.30 a.m. Then he stood up, took a moment to survey my camp a few minutes longer, and then he went back down the trail that he came up on. I, to this day, have no idea what that was all about. But it freaked me out, and I was paranoid that we were being followed for the rest of the trip. I don't know what to add to that. That is crazy. I don't I don't know what to even begin to postulate about this guy, what he might have been doing, what he might have been considering, why he might have been there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. That one is just absolutely terrifying. And just, again, another reminder that we're not necessarily always alone out there. Um, this one goes back into possibly a little bit paranormal or cryptozoological. This, this touches back. This is one of the few that touch back on our first four episodes that kind of are exploring the more unexplainable side of things. But it it was fascinating enough to me that I wanted to include it here. This man claims that he had been in the wilds outside of Houston, Texas, and what he describes as an an isolated patch of forest by a creek. He set up a hammock. I can... I can relate to that, man, guys. I hammock camp all the time. And he was relaxing to the sounds of the evening when the strange came to visit him. This is his explanation of the experience. This night it was dark, like extra dark. I think the moon was covered up, but there was still just enough city light to create a dim kind of atmospheric glow. I heard some movement definitely coming my way where I was on this creek. 
and it didn't seem to me as cautious as most other animals move. That startled me. Whatever was coming my way was ballsy. I don't think I had my knife at the time, so I think I grabbed a stick and I listened quietly as the sound got closer. It kept walking in my direction, but I could barely see a thing. Eventually, it got pretty close, and I could faintly see a silhouette. This wasn't an animal that I had ever seen before. It was white, with long legs, too tall to be a hog, and definitely not a deer. It just stood there staring at me as if it were PO'd that I was sitting in its spot or something. I don't think I made any sudden movements or anything, but I just sat there looking, trying to figure out what it was. Eventually, it went back into the forest, and honestly, with how much I go through those same patches of woods, I've never seen it again. I was thinking it was a wolf or a coyote, but this thing was white, like white enough to be seen in almost pitch black darkness. And he had long legs and a real dignified demeanor. Like he just stared at me, not scared at all, before he calmly disappeared. I ain't seen nothing like that before, and I ain't seen nothing like it since, nor have I seen any footprints or anything that really seems indicative of what it was. Just long legs, white fur, and really calm, dignified demeanor. That's pretty creepy. That one would be pretty easy to write off as a little creepy pasta, or somebody trying to tell a story in a forum that's dedicated to telling creepy stories. But like, the language and the terminology he uses lends credibility to it to me. The fact that he describes it as dignified. If you were just making up a creepy story, you know, you're going to say things like, I was sitting there, I heard noise coming up the trail, and then there's this like white creature that I don't recognize just sitting there staring at me like it's angry at me, and then it stormed off or whatever. You know, it would be a, probably a pretty simple story to make up, but the way he personifies it as dignified. I don't know. There's something about that that tells me this guy was literally digging into his psyche to try to describe something that he literally saw or at least believed he saw. That's a terrifying thought. That gets back into some of the things that we talked about in the last four episodes, guys, and other things that we haven't talked about, like Wendigos. Um, all kinds of interesting things that go on out there in the great outdoors, in the back countries of these great United States of ours, and not just the United States. That was kind of dumb to say. It's all over the world. Anyway, this one, this one creeps me out, this next story. This one is, I don't know, head scratcher and fascinating, but really, I don't know, it's unnerving to me. I'm not sure if this counts as another human being because we did not positively identify anyone. But a few years ago, my friend and I were staying in a small cabin my dad had on a remote piece of land in the Idaho wilderness. And y'all, if it's remote and it's in Idaho, let me tell you, it's the kind of remote that you don't even know. You have never experienced the kind of remote that there is in the western and northwestern United States of this country. Um, anyway, back into, back into the narrative. The nearest town was probably 50 miles away, and the nearest active road that wasn't an old logging road was over two miles from the cabin. My friend and I had been BSing and laughing in our cabin in our bunks, and it was about midnight. We had turned off the lantern, and we were trying to fall asleep when we heard something that sounded like something had scraped the front door. We both lifted our heads up and mumbled a conversation of, Did you hear something? Yeah, yeah, I did. Then, in the middle of nowhere, in this remote cabin, someone just started knocking on the door. Doesn't say a word, just knocks. We were both in our 30s, but we were so scared, we didn't say a word. We just lay there, with our heads up, staring at the door. 
We didn't go out again until it was light, and there was nothing near the door that would have tapped against it and no animal tracks that we could find. It still freaks me out to this day, even thinking about it. And that was from user Shadow Handler. I think that one possibly scares me as much as any of them because of, like, what's the intention? It came up and it knocked and it clearly left. If it was a human, to knock, it needs to be a human, right? Most likely. It comes up and knocks. It doesn't yell out who it is or why it's there in the middle of the night. It doesn't say, hey, is anyone home? Hey, we need a place to stay. Is anyone in there? There's like, it just knocks and then it leaves. If it wanted to do malicious harm and it knew someone was inside, it probably could have kicked the door in, right? Like, if it were a human that just needed a place to stay and came across a cabin, say they were lost. They came across a cabin. They knock on the door. Can anyone help us? Like, there's no words. And then it just leaves with no further incident. That's what really unnerves me about that one. Just, what's the point? It, it That one, that one's just, I don't know. It's just unnerving. Unnerving's the right word. Um, this next one is also unnerving. I'm camped out in Northern California with a couple of friends for three months straight in 2012. We're talking way out in the wilderness. The whole trip was a great success until we were heading south again. We set up camp a few miles outside of a tiny town as it was getting dark. The only things in this town were one long road, a gas station, a post office, and a bar. In the middle of the night, we hear screaming in the distance. We could discern three different voices, but they were far enough away that we couldn't quite make out what was being said. All of a sudden, we hear a single gunshot, followed by absolute silence. I opened my tent. I looked over at my friends, who were looking out of their tents at me. No one said a word, but we laid back down and tried to sleep. It was the scariest night of my life. This is an edit, a later edit to the post. A lot of people have wondered if we reported this to the police. What police? You need to understand that in this area, one sheriff patrols three counties. That's it. This area of Cali is what Sons of Anarchy was based on. I know that was TV and was dramatized, but there is some truth to what goes on in these areas. The sheriff is most likely in the pockets of the drug runners. It is in your best interest to put your head down. Mind your own damn business unless you want to be next. We were kids with no resources and backpacks and tents and hitchhiking through the Northwest. It would have been really, really easy to make us disappear next. What I want to say about that. That is absolutely terrifying because that kind of stuff really happens. It happens right here in Arkansas. It happens right in southeast Oklahoma where I originally grew up. Y'all, one night, or not one night, one day, a friend and I were riding four-wheelers on an established road up the side of one of our mountains that is open and free to access. And we were just following a trail that we had driven over the years several times. And suddenly we found ourselves in the middle of a pot field. Literally, someone was growing before it was legal to grow it in our state in Oklahoma, which it may not be. I don't know. I'm not up with all the current where it's legal, where it's not, et cetera, et cetera. But regardless, this was an illegal operation when it was still illegal everywhere. And we're two kids, like 17 years old, riding four wheelers. And we roll up right in the middle of a big field that is suddenly a pot farm. I've never been scared, probably more scared in my entire life than I was that day, because I knew what it meant. If they saw us, or if they tried to stop us, if they were there, if they were not there, I knew that we were direly in danger or could have been. This kind of stuff really happens. You need to understand that. Why this guy's telling the story and why it's terrifying is there's a really good chance that that gunshot did silence somebody that night. 
I do not doubt that story for a second because I know for a fact, personally, those kinds of things happen in just even in my neck of the woods, the more remote an area you live close to or around y'all, it's not uncommon in certain counties that are going to remain unnamed, but it's not, I mean, it's maybe once a year, once every two years, somebody just goes missing, like without a trace, never found no evidence whatsoever. That's not entirely uncommon just from around where I'm from. That's why that story is so scary and why, like I said earlier, you just need to be aware we're not always alone out there and you need to do everything you can to mitigate becoming a part of an incident like that. You just need to be aware. That's a terrifying story because I believe 100% that's a true story. Let's get to the next story here. A friend and I were scoping out an area for hiking because we were both new to the area. It was probably around 6 p.m., but pitch black because it was in the dead middle of winter when it gets dark at 4. We drove down a dead-end dirt road trying to find a trailhead we had heard about. This road is probably only 2 to 3 miles long, and we don't see anything on our way down. We get to the end, and we turn around to head back out to the main road, and about halfway from the end of that road to the main, we see a man standing at the edge of the road in tattered clothes, covered in dirt, carrying a shovel, and just staring at us. My friend and I both held our breath until we were back in town, and we both asked each other if we had seen the same thing. Y'all, that is kind of terrifying. It's kind of funny, right? Like, it's almost cliched. Like, you're in the middle of nowhere, and then you see a guy just holding a shovel. Like, what was he doing? You know, it's one of those cliched types of ideas. But I don't doubt it. I let this, I put this story in specifically because it reminded me of something that happened to me many years ago when I got married, long, long time ago. I mean, gosh, I bet. Yeah, I was married once. Anyway, long time ago when I got married, my bachelor party, here's a peer into the mind of Justin. My bachelor party did not involve strippers and alcohol. It involved the Buffalo River and a multiple night float down the river, staying in hammocks and so on. Well, we were going up there, a group of my friends and I, and we were trying to follow my friend's GPS. And GPS is notoriously horrible. Like before Google Maps, Google Maps is great. Y'all, I drive for a living. For Big Purple, just trust me. Google Maps is the only way to go. Garmin, like, I'm looking at you, man. You have one job in the entire world, and you fail miserably at it. But anyway, we're using his Garmin, and we're trying to get up to a certain area to put in on the Buffalo River, and we were taking a road that clearly on the map was there, and it was taking us there. We get down to the end of it, and it's completely cut off. We're just in the middle of nowhere with no way to get to the road we actually need to be on. And we weren't lost, but we were off track and nowhere near where we needed to be in the middle of the Ozark wilderness. And out of the woods walks a man in a flannel shirt, in dirty pants, in tennis shoes of all things, holding a machete. There are three cars parked along the side of the road. He is the only human. None of the cars had tags on them. And he just looks at us. We all looked at each other rolled our windows down and said, hey man, you uh, we're trying to get over to that highway over there. Do you know a connection? Like the map's showing us that we should be able to cross right over and he just looks at us kind of oddly and then he goes, no man, it doesn't go through. You need to turn around. Okay, we'll catch you on the flip side. And we backed up and got the hell out of there. And I'll never forget the conversation that was going on on the way out. I was like, did we all just really see that? Did you see that? He had a machete, right? Yes, he had a machete. And one of the most disturbing things to me was, like, he had on tennis shoes. 
in the woods. He's dirty, filthy, up to his waist. He's got a machete, but he's wearing just old, cruddy tennis shoes. Guys, like, that. that's out of place. That does not belong. If you're out there on a work crew with some kind of, like, we have, like, the job corps up in Cass. We have different things. There are different people that could be out there for different reasons, clearing trails or whatever. Tennis shoes in that environment, that's a tell something's wrong there. That guy doesn't belong there. That guy is not there doing work on any kind of a, like an official capacity or even like a just knowledge of the wilderness capacity. You don't just go out in regular tennis shoes when you're working in that kind of terrain. You're wearing some kind of boots like you just are. Anyway, that kind of stuff is creepy. That guy, I'm convinced that, you know, I, I don't know. Let's just leave that. Let's just leave that alone. It was creepy. That's all I'm saying. So that very similar situation happened to me. And that's why I wanted to tell that story. Let's move on to the next story. This one take this one's creepy. This one's very creepy. Um, because I know of a situation exactly like this, and I'm gonna point you to the proper information should you want to look it up for yourself to verify that that did go the wrong way completely. And it's pretty heavy. So anyway. I used to often spend my summers bouldering with my friends by a relatively large forest that was about an hour and a half away from where I used to live. We used to spend some time camping out there, and we just saved some money and travel costs. It was a nice area, close to home. Anyway, I think this was roughly like the third or fourth time we were out there camping, and my friend and I had left all of her camping gear in a rucksack just outside of her tent, or at least we thought she did. The next morning, we found her boots, a few clothes, and all of her chalk powder had disappeared. We figured that it could have been completely feasible that she had misplaced it, although we were quite sure that they were next to her tent. We didn't really want to believe that they had been stolen. Anyway, we didn't read too much into this and just stupidly said to ourselves that perhaps she had left it by the boulders or some animal had taken interest in it. I know that sounds dumb, but it was very reasonable to us at the time. Anyway, fast forward a year. We're at the same spot as usual, sitting by the tents and chilling after having some food. Now mind you, it's pitch black out, and only the camp is lit by the fire. I go somewhere out a bit because I need to go to the restroom. What do I see? A dude in a full-on ghillie suit laying on his stomach looking right at our campsite. I kind of stood there frozen as this dude clocks that I've seen him, and then he just bolts it out of there. I don't know whether this event was linked to the prior year's events, but it definitely has stuck with all of us, and we've never gone back there, which is a damn shame. Y'all, that's... That is terrifying. That is terrifying. She doesn't say he had a gun, but he was in a ghillie suit. If you don't know what a ghillie suit is, a lot of you probably will, but a ghillie suit is basically what snipers, real true snipers wear, made out of burlap more often than not. When you rough them upright and and take care of them and do them the proper way, you just look like a pile of grass laying on the ground. They're absolutely, they're amazing at how well they blend in. It's like the world's best camouflage. That is terrifying. But, The reason I added that story when I came across it is because it reminded me of a story that happened here in Southeast Oklahoma in 2003. I'm not going to pull the names up because I'll lose my place here in my Word document that I'm reading from. But it happened in 2003. A former um, Oklahoma prison prison, um, worker essentially, in a ghillie suit, stalked and killed an elderly couple from Texas who were camping at the, I believe it was the Three Sticks um, campground in southeast Oklahoma in the Washita Mountains and stole her money, stole some cards, some stuff like that. But this guy literally stalked them in camouflage 
and killed them. That's heavy. I know. I get it. Guys, I didn't really want to go to places like that in tonight's show. We're trying to keep it fun. But listen, that's a very real story. That very sincerely, truly happened. You can Google it. You can find all that information if you're interested in that story at all. Um, The reason I want to bring it up is because it is scary. And we're here telling real scary stories tonight. But it's also a cautionary tale, guys. Don't be oblivious to what's going on around you. Now, if a guy's stalking you in a ghillie scoot, like you're probably not going to see him. Like there's not a lot you can do there, but you need to be when you're out, especially when you're alone or just a couple of you, you need to be head on a swivel. You need to pay attention to your surroundings. Like I was taught by a former military guy who is a current police officer, was a good friend and a neighbor to me. He's actually the guy that trained me and got me my concealed carry and all those good things. He talked about how you've got to live life at like orange. You got like green, well, let's say green, yellow, and red. You can do it two or three ways. Green is completely oblivious. Code green is completely oblivious to the world around you. Red is imminent threat. It's in front of you and it's shooting at you. Orange is like just head on a swivel, always prepared, always looking around, just mindful of where you're at and your surroundings, you know, just not with your head buried in a phone, just paying attention to what's going on around you. When you're camping, when you're alone, you need to be cognitive and conscious about your environment, listening for anything that sounds out of place, you know, looking around, see weird footprints in the dirt, in the mud that like, wait, that looks really fresh and that's not my boot. Just things like that might possibly save your life. Just be aware. That's all I'm trying to say. Just be aware. And that is a very sad story, a very sad and very true story that happened right here in my neck of the woods some, what is that, 17 years ago? I remember when it happened. I'd lived really close to the area that happened in in those days before I moved up here to the good old fort. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. These last two stories I'm going to tell, they are also very true stories and very prevalent things that are happening in our outdoors world in recent times as we expand further into the wilderness and people get further and further out and natural habitats close in um, and get smaller and smaller for certain predatory animals. These two are both very scary stories. Um, And so let's just get into those. We're going to wrap up our storytelling portion with these two stories and then we're going to get into um, the discourse that I want to talk about after we're done with these. I was out in the dark canyon wilderness of Utah after two weeks of driving and backpacking around the country alone. The plan was a seven-day trip, and after a few days of setbacks, I was on my last night. By this time, I was already a little scared of the dark, but that's just what happens when you are your only company for three weeks. Anyway, on the sixth day, about halfway through my hike, I ran out of water. I made camp and went upstream in search of water. After a little hiking, I found a little spring with deliciously cold, refreshing water. I drank some before realizing I didn't bring my water bottles, so I hiked the half mile or so back to camp to get them. On my trip back to fill my water bottles, I kept feeling really vulnerable and really uncomfortable. Every little rustle in the bushes set me off. I could hear birds calling in the distance, and that set me off. I kept looking for something following me. I can only describe my emotion as pure terror. It got to the point where I picked up a branch to defend myself. I kept telling myself that it was just paranoia, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. I finally got to the water and filled up my bottle, constantly looking over my shoulder. The feeling of an ease was still with me when I headed back to camp. 
There I came upon a fresh mountain lion print placed directly between my two footprints. It's one thing to think that your fears are unfounded paranoia. It's much worse to find out that they are actually true. That is terrifying. Y'all, that is terrifying. And cougars, mountain lions, are very prevalent in the vast majority of the western United States. And there have been many confirmed sightings right here in the state of Arkansas. There have been some in the state of Oklahoma. I personally have seen mountain lion poo in the Washita Mountains in the Shawnee Ridges area south of Hevener, Oklahoma. I've seen mountain lion poop there myself. I've also heard screams. I cannot confirm those because they could also be a bobcat. Bobcats and mountain lions sound very similar. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like a woman who's being possessed by a banshee and being murdered by a wraith. That's what a mountain lion and a bobcat sounds like when they're screaming. It is, guys, it will send chills up and down your spine and make your hair stand on end and it has nothing to do with the paranormal that noise there's no noise quite like it go go to youtube if you've never heard it go to youtube you can find the screams and you can get kind of an idea but let me tell you when you hear it in person whole different ball game because you're in their world now grandma you don't want to be in their world but i have personally seen mountain lion poop it is distinguishable from all other kinds of poop even bobcat because it is full of hair. <laughs> the way they clean themselves. Bobcats apparently do not do that in the same manner, or perhaps they don't shed the same way. I don't know, but you can go and confirm the information I'm telling you if you look into it. Mountain lion poop is like big human poop with hair in it. Bobcat poop is smaller and does not have hair in it. Um, so I've seen mountain lion poop. Mountain lions do tend to wander. They have been spotted in many states across the Midwest as well. You need to be aware of that, and you need to be prepared for that. Okay, just saying, but that's a terrifying story. And our last story that we're going to tell is very similar in origin. This happened about a year ago. I started up a hike in the USFS, United States Forest Service Wilderness Area, and I was about a mile in when I got this feeling I was being watched. It was that feeling of dread when you know someone or something is watching your every move, but you can't quite see them. I hurried down the trail, got to my destination hurried back, but I knew something was off in my gut. I'm an experienced hiker, but I have not ever had that feeling before, and I've never felt it since. Several weeks later, a woman disappeared while hiking on that trail. Officials later found her body near the trail. They determined that she had been attacked and killed by a cougar, the first ever recorded death by a cougar in my state. Officials immediately closed off the area and began to hunt the cougar, and they killed it a few days later. In retrospect, I know exactly what was watching me that day, and I shudder to think that that woman could have been me. That is absolutely terrifying. Y'all, that's, that's a very real threat. That is a very real threat. Grizzly bears in the extreme northwest, where they still exist, mountain lions throughout the entire west, and into the midwest and some of the south... Um, really the south central regions of the United States. They're becoming, you know, Texas has a population. Even Florida has a small population. And also on top of that, guys, wild boars, like what grizzly bears in the northwest, mountain lions throughout the entire west and midwest and parts of the south don't like cover. The rest is covered by wild hogs. And we talked about wild hogs several episodes ago, and they will jack you up just as bad as any mountain lion ever will. So, there are very real predatorial threats to us as human beings, 
other humans not being the least of which, but also from the local fauna. So keep that in mind. And with that in mind, let's talk about real quick. This is not about animals. This is about human beings. This is what I wanted. I told you that we were going to do at the end of the show. This show has ran very long, but it is our spooky season finale, and that's fine. I like long form. Um, so we're going to talk about here a story. Okay, we're going to talk about two things. and I'm going to tell you a story about myself to help drive home this point. Okay. Um, I've seen what I find to be a concerning trend fad not a fad it's a trend here lately specifically more than anything on instagram listen this is my disclaimer up front understand what i'm saying here listen to my words please i'm begging you listen to my words and don't take them out of context don't just hear what i'm about to say and immediately go off the rails with it try to understand what i'm saying there is a trend that i've noticed right now going on especially on Instagram, of young ladies encouraging other young ladies to go and hike and do things in the woods alone, okay? That's basically the concept. They are kind of co-opting a mindset that existed in 1950s America that America that is all but dead now. I'm not sure where the idea is coming from that people still think that way because normal humans in our world today do not think that way anymore, okay? We no longer see women as inferior and weak, okay? That... That's an old mindset that is, thank God, dead. But somehow that's being resurrected to say, I can go and do this because I am just as strong. I am just as capable. Okay, this is what I want to say. And like I said, you can take everything I just said out of context and you could just absolutely go to town on me. You need to understand what I'm saying. This isn't about you not being strong. This is not about you not being capable. This is not about you being naive to the threats out there. This has nothing to do with your capabilities of what's on the trail. Okay, not hiking alone. As search and rescue volunteer, trained search and rescue person. Okay, I'm remiss if I ever let that go by the wayside and say, no, do not hike alone. Okay, we tell everyone don't hike alone. Ladies, understand this. This is not gender specific. When we say don't hike alone, it doesn't mean women don't hike alone. It means anybody don't hike alone. Because if you break your leg out there, you're dead. Period. You're dead. Full stop. End of the discussion. If you break a femur in the wrong place, I mean, God, y'all, a femoral artery, you ain't gonna make it. It's over. If you're alone. If you have someone with you, somebody can help you apply a tourniquet made out of a t-shirt or a belt or anything else, and they can go get help. This isn't a gender-specific thing, okay? Understand that, first of all. Second of all, understand this. I grew up, y'all, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but I grew up watching stuff that no child should ever have to watch, okay? Let's just leave it at that. I am 100% for strong, empowered, independent women. There is nothing on this planet that makes me happier than to see women be independent and not need anyone for anything. That, you can never know how deeply meaningful it is for me to see that after what I experienced as a child, okay? I am all for that, 1 million percent. I'm trying to tell you this all as context to understand what I'm saying is not 
don't go hike alone, but these young ladies are encouraging each other to go hike alone is like a giant middle finger to the establishment. And we can do anything anyone else can. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about hiking alone is inherently dangerous for anyone of any gender. And on that topic, we're going to talk about the thing that I said is super heavy that I wanted to say for the end of the show. If you are triggered by anything that has to do with speech or talk about sexual assault, check out now. Go ahead and pull the ejection cord. We're going to talk about a couple of numbers here because I feel like, guys, I, I'm still, right now, I'm battling within myself. Do I want to go on with this? Because does it fit here? But I think it does because tonight's entire episode was about some creepy encounters that could have been actually really bad scenarios for people. And I think it fits. And I think this needs to be said because if me telling my story that I'm going to get to in just a moment. And these stats helps anyone realize that the conversation is not about whether you're strong and capable, but whether you are actually the target of. If that saves anyone from the consequence, it was worth it. Okay, so we're going to talk about this. I'm going to try to be brief with it. I promise I'm not trying to drag this out. Like I said, this is not about you not being strong, not being capable, This is about the fact that you have a target on your back because you're a female. In 2019, this is from legaljobs.io in a blog written on 104-2021. This is current information by a woman named Lisa Quadley. In 2019, 650,000 rapes were committed. Only 20% of all rapes are reported. You can do that math. That is a disgusting number. That is a ridiculous number. Okay. 90%, 90% of adult rape victims are female. 80% of those 90%, it happens to them before they're the age of 25. This falls specifically into the category of young ladies who are out in social media world right now encouraging others to go out alone into the wilderness away from human beings where you can't be heard, where you can't be saved because it's so remote. It's so isolated. These numbers are absolutely appalling. They are terrifying. But the importance of this number is 90% of adult assault victims are female. Ladies, what I'm trying to tell you is if you're out there on your own in the woods, you are more likely than a man to be assaulted. And I'm not saying that guys can go out there alone. I tell everyone you should not hike alone. And if you're going to, like some of us have to, like I do myself, I speak in some amount of hypocrisy. I have no one to go with. I'm still going to go on those trails, but I go knowing the threats that could face me out there. And that's what I'm wanting to impress upon you right here is to understand. No one's saying to you that you're not capable. No one's saying that you're not intelligent enough or strong enough or independent enough. Nobody is saying that. What Anyone in the search and rescue field or any other public capacity is saying is nobody, male or female, should be going out there alone. And if you do, you need to know things like this. And ladies, why you need to understand it specifically for your purposes is that you literally, in a sense, okay, that's not literal. Metaphorically, you have a target on your back because you are female. 90% of targeted assaults are against females. That's You need to know that and you need to be responsible about what you're encouraging other women to do because guys, the creeps are out there. Bad men are out there 
And it doesn't mean that you're not strong enough to even say defend yourself. But the point is, do you want to even be in a situation where you have to defend yourself from somebody? Guys, I know people that have been attempted on and it is damn near as traumatic as it actually occurring to someone. I know people that have been through both scenarios. An attempt is damn near just as traumatic as having to go through one. Okay, it will mess you up and it will put things in your brain you cannot undo. And it's something it changes you. It changes you. Okay, and depending on all the different factors that make up each of us as individuals, it can change you in a way that can be really, really, really hard to overcome. Okay, this is about knowing that you are a target. That's all it is. It's not that you're not capable. It's that you are more likely to be a target. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, a very personal story that happened to me specifically to try to point out that it doesn't just happen to women. This is non-gender specific. This is for everyone. Don't go out alone unless you're prepared and willing to accept those consequences if they come your way. And so I'm going to tell you a story about me where I went out alone, unprepared, and very nearly faced some possible consequences. Okay. It's two, it's three years ago. I am staying on in San Francisco for three months for work. I am alone one day after work. I've gone to the beach on a blustery cold day because I didn't have to work that afternoon. I get to the beach and I think maybe I can take some pictures. Okay. It's a nasty day, but maybe I can get some pictures and Hey, a bad day at the beach is better than a bad day sitting in a hotel any day of the week. Right? So I go to this beach and it's abandoned. It's completely desolate. No one is there. I'm the only vehicle that pulls up in the parking lot. Take my backpack and my camera. I walk over the dune. I go down to the ocean. I'm there approximately three or four minutes. It was nasty cold. The wind coming in was harsh and I didn't see anything pretty enough to warrant me sitting there taking pictures. Like it was just a cold blustery day on a sand beach. It wasn't even like the cliffs of Big Sur. It was just a regular old beach. Nothing there for me. So I turn around, I walk back over the dune, and there is a RV, an old, creepy RV, sitting in the parking lot. You know, not anywhere near my vehicle, but it was there in the parking lot. And it wasn't there when I pulled in, okay? So there is a guy walking around. Um, he goes over, he's like over by the bathroom area, you know, one of those little, those uh, state park type of bathroom areas. He's over there by it. And, you know, as I'm walking across this big parking lot, we get within range of each other because I have to walk past him to get to my vehicle. And me being the person that I am, I'm just like, hey, man, how are you? He's like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing today? I was like, oh, I'm all right. You know, and he's like, hey, man, where are you from? Like, you got out of state tags. What are you doing all the way out here? And he strikes up a conversation. This guy gives me no reason to think anything but that he's just one of those guys. He looks kind of like a wandering hippie, to be honest. And so we start talking just a little bit. And he's, I was like, well, that's pretty cool, man. He tells me he works out there somewhere and he has four day weekends. He works like, or he works three days of the week or four days of the week. So he has like three day weekends and he travels around going to different parks and just staying in his camper. And we're having this conversation. He's like, yeah, man, I've like been, I've been working on the inside of this camper. I've tricked it out. And like, this is where it goes to the point that this is where I've never told the story beyond. And I don't like to tell the story to people because I feel like a complete idiot. But if me telling this story keeps one person out of this situation or a worse situation, then it's worth me telling this story. Okay. So he's like, yeah, I've tricked out the inside, man. I've redone the floors and I've redone all the woodwork and like, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get it all fixed up. And you know, here in Arkansas, 
in Redneckland, when some guy says, oh, dude, I just dropped a new 350 under the hood and I put all this chrome this and that, even if you're not into engines, which I'm not, you walk over and you look under the hood. It's courtesy and it's just what guys are supposed to do, right? Like, oh, yeah, man, and I can appreciate a good looking engine. I don't know. And this guy says, yeah, I'm tricking out this camper and he seems completely non-aggressive. He, he is not a threat to me in any way, shape or form as he stands before me. I'm like, yeah, man, I'll check it out. And so I poke my head in. I was like, oh, yeah, wow, you've really done some cool work. And as I step in and I look around and I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to get out of here. I turn around and the guy is between me and the only exit. He is between me and my only point of egress. And he keeps talking, but I can tell something's changed. I feel it in my gut. This isn't anything that he said yet, but I feel it in my gut. I don't know if it's his body language or what, but I know something's changed and I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable. And he's not got me completely blocked from the door, but he is right next to the door. And he's kind of laid out on his little couch thing. And I'm standing there trying to, you know, in a friendly way, kind of see my way out. And he keeps talking and he essentially... He finally propositioned me and I said, look, man, like I I'm flattered. Like this happens to me. It's not uncommon for me to get hit on. Okay. It happens. Well, I don't know, two or three times a year. And it's usually really respectful and it's simple. They say something. I say, man, I'm flattered and I appreciate your courage, the courage it must've taken to approach me. But like, that's not my bag. It's not my thing. And then we're like, okay, cool. We fist bump and we go our separate ways. That's typically how it goes down. Not with this guy. This guy, okay, I'm not, he propositioned me and I'd said essentially that, man, I'm flattered, but no, thank you. But I'm starting to get into a defensive mode. Like I may have to fight. I'm not armed at this point. I'm again in California and I didn't take anything with me to California because I'm a, you know, when in Rome, that kind of thing, like I'm out of place and I didn't want to be in a situation ever out there where I could get in trouble for stuff that I wasn't ready to deal with. So I did not have a way to defend myself in that moment. And I am now barred from my exit by a guy who's easily as big as me. Like I, I wasn't scared physically in the moment. Cause I was like, okay, if I'm threatened, the, the, I, I'll fight my way out of here and I'm not concerned about it. I wasn't, I felt confident in my ability to get out of there. But what if he has a gun? What if he has a knife? And I don't know if he does. And here's the thing, because the way this is the part I'm not going to repeat to you and only two people have ever heard. And even when I've told the two people I told, it was really incredibly, extremely uncomfortable for me to tell because he went down a line. He went to a place with the words that he was saying that was so far over any line. It wasn't a simple proposition. And ah, come on, man. No, it went into like a realm that that no one, no human should say to any other human of any sex. Doesn't matter if you're doing it. it, it it's, no one should say that to anyone. It, it went way over the line to the point that it got to where I was like, listen, man, here's the thing. I've tried to be kind to you. I've tried to be, you know, courteous, but like I'm leaving and you're not going to try to stop me. And if you do, I'm going to hurt you. Like this is over now and I'm leaving. Okay. And it got to that point. And it really messed with my head when I did get free because he even didn't stop at that. He didn't try to stop me as I get got out. But had he been armed, he could have. And when I got out, he continued to follow me to my vehicle, saying things that no one should be saying to anyone somehow in his mind, trying to entice me 
when it should have been obvious to him that it wasn't doing that, it was doing the opposite, right? It was a bad situation that could have been an incredibly bad situation. Had he been armed and had he been violent, y'all, I could have been I could have been in really deep crap right there because he had me. He lured me into a trailer under false pretenses and he had me blocked from my only exit and I was unarmed and I was unable to defend myself. I'm telling you that story because I want you to understand it is not just females that are targeted. It is both of us. This whole thing is non-gender specific. Do not go out and do not hike alone unless you're prepared for the eventualities that could come from that and to deal with the threats that could come from that. And the other thing I urge you is don't so flippantly encourage other people to go out on their own because guys, it's really a dangerous thing. It's very dangerous. It's not about anyone's ability or anyone's independence or anyone's personal strengths or anyone's ability to defend themselves. It's not about any of those things. It's about bad people can be out there and bad people with weapons. And that's why I told you that whole story. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. This isn't gender specific, guys. This is for everyone. And I just felt like that really needed to be talked about because this has become a thing out there in the world that people are encouraging others to do. And I can't in good conscience, like, let that go without offering a countering point of view. Try to understand what everything I've just said under the mindset of it's a countering point of view. And with all that said, we do need to wrap this up. But I will say this, if you do intend to hike alone and you do not like firearms. Guys, just get bear spray and call it a day. Just get bear spray and call it a day. It's three times more potent than mace and it shoots much further. It has a 30 to 35 foot spray. It's three times more potent and it will debilitate a human being for up to 20 minutes. It will give you plenty of time to get away. If you're going to go out alone, take bear spray. Because it's not only good for human attackers, it's also good for what it's intended for. Bears, mountain lions, like, I don't think, I don't know if I've ever heard of a bobcat attack, but I certainly have wild hogs. It's good for a lot of things, guys. Just take bear spray out. And I hope, I pray that you hear everything I just said in the context that I intended it to be taken. As a warning and as a countering point of view to something that's becoming kind of popular. Anyway. I hate to end this show on such a dark note, on such a heavy note, but I've got nowhere else to go from there. And this dude's like an hour and a half long. Again, I guess the spooky season finale. Um, I appreciate you guys for coming by. I appreciate you for checking out the show. I appreciate you guys spending all this time with us for the spooky season. Next two weeks from now, we'll be back with another episode and we'll be back to our normal operating procedure. No more spooky stories until next year. Please Submit your stories to mywaywardstory at gmail.com if you have one. Go to the website, www.waywardstories.com. And from there, you can get to my Instagram. You can go to YouTube. Guys, subscribe on YouTube. Like, I've got some great videos, some experiential videos over there, review videos, and also videos of what you're listening to here tonight if you're just listening through your podcast player. If you are listening on a podcast player, please rate, review, and subscribe. That goes a long, long way for us. You've heard me say it a million times. Until next time, guys, I hope you have a good couple of weeks. I hope that you've enjoyed our stories for the last five weeks. And, um, you know, until we meet again, you guys go out there 
have some fun, see some cool stuff in the world, and be good to each other.